Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you. Can we welcome all of our campuses, Appleton campus, Brookfield campus, Milwaukee campus, Germantown campus, online. Wherever you're connecting, wherever you're get, <laughs> joining us from, we're glad that you're here with us today. And I just want to take a couple of, just before I get into the message and everything today, I just want to take a minute and uh, just promote something uh, that if you are interested, we've had quite a bit of interest. We have limited number of spots uh, for the Israel trip that was going to be happening, occurring. Uh, my, myself and my wife, Tammy, we're going to be uh, taking, uh, there's about 40, 50, 60 of us that are going to go. I think 60 is a limit at this point uh, and to, to Israel in November. So it's the second coming back on the 12th. Uh, it's great travel patterns. It's one stop, boom, here to Atlanta, Atlanta to Tel Aviv and back. Super simple, super easy. Uh, and so that way, uh, the accommodations are good. Trust me, there'll be plenty of food. I promise you, I'm on the trip, sleeping in the same place as you're sleeping. Amen. There's people that ask me sometimes, if I go on a Tammy trip, is that different than an Aaron trip? The answer to that is yes. And so because I'm going, I promise you, it will be easy breezy. Um, and so, so if you're interested in going on that trip, we're going to be having an informational meeting that's going to be via Zoom uh, on April the 6th, excuse me, April the 5th. April the 5th at 6.30, April the 5th at 6.30, I'm going to be hosting it. And if you are, you can literally take this next step card and where it says mission trips, you just check that box and write Israel and literally put it in the offering bucket or drop it off at one of the receptacles, wherever. And what we'll do is we will send you the link to get you into the Zoom meeting. Uh, it's just informational. It doesn't obligate you to anything. It's just there for you. We've had a lot of questions and just people are asking and da-da-da-da. I get it, understand it. So we want to make sure that you are fully equipped. I know at Milwaukee campus, George Matthews is going, and Jenna said amen because she told me last week he was going and he doesn't want to go, but he's going. Thank you, George. And so, again, there's going to be a lot of fun, good stuff. My dad's going. And my dad is in his late 70s, and so my dad's going, so some people say, hey, can I go? Absolutely. You need to be able to walk, but <laughs> you can go. And so it's going to be a good time, a fun time, and again, I hope that you'll join us. But that's going to be happening on April the 5th at 6.30, an informational meeting. If you're interested, just simply take out the Next Step card, check the box for missions, and then write Israel, and then we'll make sure that we follow up with you. Today is a great weekend. Today is one of my favorite Sundays of the year because it's our Fire Bible Sunday where we get to talk about this. And a lot of times I bring guest speakers in, and we'll come here to challenge and encourage you, and we'll have missionary speakers and people from all over the world. Uh, matter of fact, we were just on the phone, Ryan and I were this week with some people that are going to be joining us that I'm absolutely elated, one of which has never been here before. And it's amazing. And so, but today I get the honor and the privilege, and I say that not lightly to be able to do that. And when we talk about missions, we talk about missions is around the corner and around the world. So we don't, we believe that Jesus called us to go, the Great Commission, to all the world. So around the corner. So it's down our street, our neighborhood, wherever the campus is that you attend. It's our Judea, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. We're called to do all of that. So we do the, the Life Center in the city of Milwaukee to, to minister to people. And there were people yesterday that were lined up along the sidewalk for the food pantry that were there. there we're serving close to 1,400 families in a weekend just out of the food pantry because of your generosity. So we, we believe that we're supposed to do that, and we do that. But we also believe that we're called to minister to people that we may not see this side of eternity. And this isn't just something that we do as adults. And well, this is an adult thing to do, so you've got deep pockets, so we talk to you. No, we, we challenge the kids. And so in Life Kids, uh, if you have kids that are Life Kids, they're challenged to missions projects. So what can you do to help other boys and girls around the world hear the, the message of Jesus? And so I 
was watching the NCAA tournament with, uh, with some Life Church guys on Thursday, and I found out that one of our first graders, one of the dads was there, showed me the video of his daughter and raising money for missions, for Boys and Girls Missionary Crusade, BGMC, Water Wells. I think it's in Africa. I want you to check this video out real quick. If Ellie was taking this offering today, we'd raise a lot of money. <laughs> I know that because I have one of her pockets. Because when I sent this to my wife, who then called Christy and said, I want a pocket. And Tammy didn't do the $3. She did the other amount. <laughs> this got so viral, they had to pull it offline. So she's raised about $500 this week. Yeah, yeah. So I, was, I asked, are there any more pockets for sale? And I was told there are two. But there'll be a lot more than $3. So if you want a pocket like mine, so you can put candy in it. Mine had candy in it. I'm just going to say. It's gone. I'm just going to say. So um, anyhow, just uh, letting you know that. But this is what I love about local church. Nothing works like local church works when local church works the way local church is designed to work. And this isn't something that we do. This is who we are. So I want to jump into this today. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, this is my whole verse today. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The, the, today at every campus, we're going to give you an opportunity uh, to basically take God's word and, and have it translated into the Moray language, which you've got a copy, a sample copy of. This is Acts 1-10. through 10. They just pulled this off the press, printed it for us, sent it to us just for you. Uh, just to get an idea. So this is not what we're doing. We're doing this is 10 chapters, which will come in look like, looking like this. And we're going to basically today give you an opportunity to have that full translation of the full life study Bible, what we call the fire Bible. And uh, this will be given to 10,000 pastors. We're, we, the, the project is 500,000. We're not doing this all ourselves. We're actually partnering with churches. You'll hear a little bit more about that later with a couple of other churches, some friends in Chicago, some friends in Arkansas, and then a buddy in California that heard about it and said, hey, I want to get in on this. Okay, well, good. We'll, we'll, we'll give you a slice of the pie. And so anyhow, that, that's, the, that, that's what we're doing today. So at the end of the service today, you're going to have an opportunity to be able to give and to be able to, to do something. And everybody can do something. If you don't know anything else from what I'm showing you today, Ellie, just is a first grader who thought, this is what I can do. I can sew pockets. I can do this. And if somebody will pay for them, I get it. She's cute and adorable, right? But, and some of you are not that cute and adorable, such as I and Ellie am. I'm just teasing. But the truth of the matter is, is everybody can do something. And so we're going to give you an opportunity. That's all we're doing today. It's simply giving you an opportunity. But it's reminding you about Romans 1.16. This is how we live this out. See, there's over 1 billion people on the planet, missiologists tell us, that have little to no knowledge of, of who Jesus is. 1 billion people. 
And God has equipped you and I with the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, good news. And he's commanded us to take it all around the world. That's to do our part. And so we can't always go, but we can send. And, and so why is this so important? Let me just give you a couple of reasons why uh, Romans 1.16 is so important. First of all, the gospel is the good news. The gospel is the good news. Go back to verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel means good news. It, this is, we're talking about, this is God's word. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. In Paul's time and even in our time, we may be tempted uh, to, to be ashamed of the Christian message, especially in the world in which we live in, especially in the day and age of, of cancel culture, uh, of, well, you can't say this and you can't do this. And, and, if you, and unless you have good things to say about everybody and everyone and everything, including Satan himself, uh, that's just wrong. And the Bible is like, no, 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 it's not. It, it, it stands the test of time. It's not outdated. It's, it's not, quite frankly, hard to understand. It is comfortable at times. But we have no need to be ashamed. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. See, you and I have been affected by the gospel. That's why we're here today. And maybe you're not a Christ follower and you're still kicking tires on this thing called faith in Jesus. And great, you're going to hear a gospel presentation this morning. And we're going to talk about taking that gospel presentation all the way around this, the, the globe to West Africa, to Burkina Faso, to a group of people who desperately need what we're talking about. Secondly, the gospel has life-changing power. It has life-changing power. This is the reason why it's so important. Go back to verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. What saves us? The church? No. A pastor? No. Confession that you give or I give? No. What saves us is, 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 is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's God's word that became flesh and that dwelt among us. John 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 1. It's Jesus Christ who is the fulfillment of this word. Jesus is the Bible and the Bible is Jesus. It's one and the same. This is the good news, the gospel that you and I, even though we may be dead in our sins and in our transgressions, there is one who loved us so much, God the Father, who gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, clothed himself in humanity, clothed himself in flesh and blood, made of himself no reputation, lived this earth, lived on this earth, uh, uh, endured everything that you and I did, yet without sin, and died on the cross and rose again. We'll celebrate that in just a couple of weeks for Easter. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's what has life-changing power. That word salvation in the Greek means deliverance, preservation, safety. It refers to eternity, Yes, that we can know that when we are to die in this physical earthly body, that heaven is our home and such peace that that is. But we also know not just in the sweet by and by, but in the here and now, in the present, we have peace, we have wholeness, we have healing. Amen? That's the good news. The good news is that I'm not alone. The gospel says that I'm not by myself. The gospel says that I don't have to walk this life alone, that I don't have to live this life alone, that I'm not by myself, that there's one that walks closer than a brother, that the Holy Spirit leads and guides and directs me. The, the power is not in the messenger of the gospel, i.e. me or you. The power is in the gospel itself. Third statement, you're going, man, he is preaching fast today. Aren't you glad? Amen. I could really slow this down and drag it out if you need me to. Okay. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. Go back to verse 16. 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also the Greek or the Gentile, non-Jew. Unless there's a few Jewish people in our congregation that may be here today or watching online. 99.9% of us are that Greek, that Gentile. The gospel isn't just for one little group of people. The gospel is for everyone who believes. I mean, at Life Church, we say our mission is for everyone to experience life change through Jesus. That's what we're here for. Whether it's a single mom that's struggling in life, whether it's a young couple, whether it's a single young adult who's trying to figure life out, whether it's a high school student, whether, whether it's a first grader like Ellie, whether it's a middle-aged couple, whether it's a, it's a grandma or a grandpa or an aunt or an uncle, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord has the ability to receive salvation through Jesus Christ. Anyone has the ability to have their life transformed by Jesus. Anyone is welcome at Life Church to be able to come in and hear this life-changing, transformative message. The gospel is for everyone and anyone who believes. Kevin DeYoung, the theologian, said this, if the gospel is old news to you, it will be dull news to everyone else. I wonder how many times when we preach a message like this, we check out and we go on autopilot and maybe we're swiping through our phone or, or doing other things or our brain or in different places because like I've heard this before, I get this before, I know this before. Yes, because you and I are like, we, it's like drinking out of a fire hydrant. In America, we have the opportunity. There's a church on every corner. There's a flavor of every kind of church that you want. You don't like this church? Go to that church. It's like Baskin Robbins. There's 31 flavors plus some. If you don't like this, you can go here. You don't like this, you can go there. You can go here, there, whatever. You can stay home. You can watch it online. You can see anything you want to see. Do whatever you want to do. But the truth of the matter is, is that we forget sometimes that the gospel isn't just for us in America. Matter of fact, the gospel really isn't even a Western religion. It's an Eastern religion. It's not even a Western ideology. It's an Eastern ideology. It came from the Middle East. And, 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 and the truth of the matter is that this gospel is the only thing that's transformative. This gospel is the only thing that's powerful. Look, if there was something else that would transform our world, if there was something else that would make a bigger difference in what we would do, I would give myself to it. I would just simply go and do it. I'm just like you. I've thought, maybe I should run for office. Maybe I should get involved in politics. But then I see politicians come and go, and I go, what difference do they make? Very little. I see, maybe I should just go into business. And, 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 I, and I see business people having a great ability, but I just go, but that's not my lane. That's not what he's called me to do. And he's called me to help you as businessmen and women to, 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 to leverage what you have for the sake of eternity. The, the greatest thing I can give myself to is the gospel. And the only talent that I have is to speak, which is why I talk so long, because that's all I have, right? And I'm trying to go really fast today, but the truth of the matter is it's the gospel. It's the only thing that changes people's lives today and forever. It's the Bible. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10 says this. John the Revelator said, And after I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, all tribes, peoples, Languages standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud, a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. <laughs> what you're going to do today results in what John saw in Revelation 7, 9, and 10. 
I know you're paying bills and spinning wheels and making deals. I know life is happening. I know kids are sick. I know things are tough at home. I know that there's uncertainty in certain parts of our world and our economy. I know that, that life may be great. I know you may just be ready to get out of the 17-degree weather and get to some warm place, which there really isn't one right now in the U.S. And I, I, I know all of these things are floating in your head about this and that and whatever, but I just want you to stop just for a moment. The Bible says that in the twinkling of an eye, the trumpet of the Lord will sound and time will be no more. And that that return of Jesus Christ is imminent, which means it could happen at any day, at any moment, at any time. Before we leave this room, it could happen. And only what we do for Jesus Christ lasts. That means your family, the people that are in this room, your neighbors, your coworkers, people around the world. There's only two things that are eternal. God's word and people. And that's what John says. There will come a day where those two things will come together. And we will stand before the throne of God. And the numbers will be so great from every kindred, from every tribe, from every nation, from every tongue. And we will stand in the presence of God forever. That's what we're called to do. The gospel is not just for you. It's not just for me. It's for everyone. And the last thing here is that the gospel must be shared. The gospel must be shared. Its power is not contained in the book. Its power is contained in the sharing of this book, in the message. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15, Paul says this. How then will they call on him, speaking of Jesus, and whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him, Jesus, and whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. It's our job, your job, my job to spread this gospel. We are called to go in our own world. But we're also called for places that we can't get to. The Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth to send others. And that's what today's about. Today's an opportunity for you and I to take God's word and have it translated. Not just the Bible. The Bible has been translated into the Moray language. I don't want to misinterpret this. But a study Bible. If you come to my office, you'll see a bookshelf that's so tall that I have to have a ladder to be able to get to it. You'll see stacks of books in various places. And those are just some of the books that I have. I have access to all of that. I, I, I have access to online and, and, to, and to a complete Hebrew and, and Aramaic and, and Greek libraries and so that I can basically go in and, and do the work that I need to do to be able to, to basically serve up the bread of life hot and fresh. But most pastors in the world... If they're blessed, they have a study Bible like this that have articles and notes and annotations. This is what they're dealing with. I'm telling you, I've been there. I've been to pastor's offices. I've been around the world. And, and, and the thing that I will walk in and these pastors will go, this is why they love these fire Bibles, is because it's a complete, 
It's a complete Bible that they can, they can get reference. And that's why it's so thick. It's so massive that they can reference. And it's not just that they're having to translate it from English or from another similar language to theirs, but it's in their heart language. And so then they are able to come in and they are op- able to open up the bread of life and minister to a congregation of people, some of which may or may not be able to read, most of which can. But those individuals, just like with you, don't have the theological training and they need someone not to be able to, to, to tell them what God's words, but to explain, to unpack, to be able to do that and to lead effectively. And that's exactly what this gives them the ability to do. And there's a need. There's a need in Burkina Faso today. There's a need in this West African country that's filled full of beautiful, wonderful people. And it's been a, been a pretty great Christian nation, but they are in need today because of some things that are happening and what's going on. And so for the next couple of minutes, I just want to unpack this opportunity for you and I to do exactly what Paul says. And that is not to be ashamed of the gospel, but to take it to our world so that everyone who hears can believe. So that one day we'll all stand before the throne and we'll be a part of of that number that's so great we cannot number from every nation, from every kindred, from every tribe. And we'll be part of the solution that Paul talks about in Romans 10 when we are sending the beautiful feet of those who preach good news. So I just want to take a minute and I want you to see this interview that I did with Jeff Dove who is the president director of Life Publishers, about what is happening, what we're presenting today, the opportunity, and how this works. Check this out. Well, today we are with missionary and director of Life Publishers, Jeff Dove. And so, Jeff, I want to say thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. Welcome. And uh, good to have you here. And so a uh, couple questions I want to ask. First of all, what is, we say Fire Bible. Okay. What, what is Fire Bible? Okay, Fire Bible is simply your local text, King James, ESV, NIV, whichever text you normally use in English, that's the one we use. And we take those 885,000 words of scripture and we marry it with another 1.2 million words of ex- explanation and uh, commentary. And the value of Fire Bible is that we not only do it in our language and make people read it in English, as we do it in their language, their heart language. So, heart language, how is that different than just, hey, this is, you know, in Spanish, or this is in German, or this is in English? Explain a little bit, what, what do you mean by heart language? Heart language is, how I define it is, it's the language that you sing in, that you pray in, that you dream in. That's the language that you communicate with. That's the language that you grasp truth. So if I say, it doesn't mean anything to you, but for a Thai person, I just said, Jesus is the son of God who came and died for us for our sins. Gotcha. So I've heard you say before too, that, that sometimes, many times with Fire Bible, it's like a one, it's like a one book Bible college or a one book, a library. Uh, what do you mean by that? And, 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 and how does that work? What, what, what's, what's the truth behind that? Well, here in America, it's tough for us to put our minds around the one book library, one book Bible school, if you will. Uh, but in many, many parts of this planet, in fact, probably still most of the parts of the planet, they don't have anything in their, in their heart language. They don't have anything available to them. So they're forced into a second or a third language to do all of their theological instruction and training. We put as much as we can into one book, one place where they can go 
and they can understand all the major tenets, what we call the 16 fundamental beliefs of our movement, of our evangelical belief, it's in there, it's defined in there, it's all in one place. And if that's all you had, you could plant a church, pastor a church, and move that church forward with diligent study with the Word of God. Sure. So talk to me a little bit about the translation process, because again, sometimes I would almost think like, you know, well, hey, I've got these different languages on my MacBook. Can we not just, is there not a simpler way of doing it? Uh, isn't the Bible free? Can everybody have access to that? What, 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 how do you get from, we want to do a, a translation in a particular language, heart language, to it's actually becoming a reality? What does that, what does that process look like? Well, it's, it's like I've said before, it's like, how did you choose your wife? All of us have a different story. Every country, every language, every Bible has a different story attached to how we get that. But in 99% of the context, the scripture text is owned by a local Bible society in that country or in a group of countries. And so we have to inter interface with this Bible society and gain their trust and their permission to use the holy text in that context. They have to trust us. They, we have to verify that we're, that we're uh, trustable, that we won't mess up the Word of God in their language. And then we, then we, we work to find qualified translators, professional translators. So we've done it for years with lay translators. And it could be a mess. It was 21 years, three months to finish the Vietnamese because we did not have professional translators engaged. Uh, but we find professional translators, we find professional editors, we find professional formatters and contacts but all those moving pieces together takes anywhere from 18 months to as long as three to four years and put all that together. And then you got to have relationships with good printing companies that can actually do the work in a quality way and ship it into that context. There's always a lot of the places we work with. Uh, it's, it's I just say it, it's just not legal to do what we're doing. Gotcha. And so we have to find creative ways to not get people in danger to get that Bible in context. So. It's uh, the whole translation part. Number one, the text is not free of Scripture. We have, to, we have to buy that and maintain our trust. But beyond that, to find translation matrices, matrices to find, find uh, translators that are accepted by the National Church. That they, they feel like they have the theological understanding in context to say, yes, this is a good book. That We have to work hard to do that. That's why you have missionaries on the ground we work with. They're, they are very keenly involved in this and helping us to identify those individuals. The person's name in country that's attached to any fire Bible can make and break that, that wow. ministry gift in the country. So that's a very important part. Jeff, last year you talked to me about Burkina Faso. Tell me more about that project. The, the, the main reason why I love the whole ask from the Burkina Faso context is because they're already doing something incredibly great. They're the fastest growing church in the country of Africa. And Pastor will unpack this some for you, I'm sure, as the year goes on, but they are in an incredible time of stress. You go outside of three major cities and you're taking your life in your own hands. Men, women, little children are disappearing because of these separatists that are, I won't put down anyone's religion, but these separatists don't like the Christian influence in the country. They're targeting our pastors. They're targeting the churches. And because of this, we say we may not be able to have for very much longer local resident missionaries there at all. What better gift to give the pastors that remain than a study Bible in their own language, in their own current vernacular, so that they can continue the work of God even in a difficult time. Well, I, I want to say again, thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for serving as a missionary for decades and for being one of our heroes. 
And uh, before, before we wrap everything up, I just want to ask if you would pray for us as a church as we are endeavoring to partner with Life Publishers in order to produce this Fire Bible this year for Burkina Faso. Would you pray? Amen. Yes, let's pray, church. Father, thank you so much for this great partnership we've had with Pastor Aaron and Life Church, Lord. It's been just a huge, huge resource to the many languages that we've been working on around the planet. So, Father, I pray right now as they take another bold step of faith, they did something great last year, even greater than, than anything we could have imagined, Lord. And now they're saying, we're going to step it up. We're going to do an entire edition through partnership. Father, this is vision. This is purpose. This is, uh, this is the cry of Peter from the back of the boat. Lord, if this is you, bid me to come to you on the waters of impossibility. They've stepped out in faith, Lord. So I pray that according to their faith, be it unto them, Lord. Bless them with Prosper them, anoint them, Lord. Generously pour out abundance upon this church as they sacrificially are giving to this missionary project. Lord, it's not just us. They continue to give to many other great ministries around the planet, great individual missionary efforts around the world. But Father, specifically for this this morning, I pray you bless Life Church. Help them to see the eternal purpose in what pastors leading them to do. And we'll trust you for results. And we'll trust you, sir, for fruit that remains until you come again. We pray this, sir, in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Burkina Faso is a small country in West Africa, around 20 million people, that over the last 20 years has become very radicalized by extremist jihadist um, Jeff won't say it, but I'll say it. Over 64% of the country now is practicing Islam because they've gone after the children and they've done compassion work in the country and they brought upheaval. As I was flying home from the Middle East, Ryan and I were in an airport together in Paris and we're just grabbing a coffee and I'm looking on the British Broadcasting Network, the, the BBC, uh, that the, another coup and another underpinning was happening just as we were working on this project. One of the ways that I, as a pastor, am very careful to bring things to you is there's a gazillion things that we can do. I get asks, if you would, from legitimate missionaries and organizations daily, and that's not an exaggeration. We have to tell more people no than we tell people yes. And we have kind of a, of a framework that we go through that we make sure that it hits certain, certain um, thresholds, if you would, to make sure that the money that you are giving, because this isn't your tithe, this is your money, that you're investing it in good soil. I'm giving as well. But one of the things that happens when I begin to vet a project is we work with preferred partners, such as Life Publishers, because I know the work that they do. I've been on the ground. I've been in their translation centers. I've, I've seen what they do. I've been at, at the distributions. I've been there, and I've seen the, the work. Prior to even coming here, that was the first time that I saw that. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen when I was in Manila. And I saw a group of pastors that received Bibles, and you thought they were getting new cars. It was the most, I'd never seen anything like it before in my life. And uh, so we work with preferred partners. We look at critical areas. We look at what's going on, and there were there's several opportunities. But when things begin to happen, one of the things that I know is that there's windows of opportunity. God opens a door, and you go through it. And that door will shut. This is one of those opportunities. This was happening. 
Jeff was talking to us about this and presenting this project to us. I called him in the middle of some meetings and I talked to Tammy and Tammy goes, yeah, I was just reading about this. And then I just had a conversation with another colleague who I know who would be very acquainted. They're, they're not in the church world. They're Christians, but her and her husband do work outside of that, that uh, deal with international diplomacy and projects. I actually lived in Burkina Faso. And I knew when all these things are coming together, there is God's doing something. It's just one of those things, even theologically in scripture, anytime you see something in threes, there's an emphasis for a reason. We don't ever make a doctrine in, 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 in Christianity and in, in the church world. There's never a doctrine that's established unless you have three separate texts that can fundamentally support what's being done distinctively that it states that. If not, it's just, it can happen that way, but it doesn't mean it's doctrinal. So when things began to line up like this, I began to go, okay, God, you're in this. And I realized that there's windows of opportunity. So I reached out to this friend and, and I shared this with some of you. And she wrote me this email, having no connection to this particular project or with Life Publishers, just having been on the ground, knowing what's going on. I actually adopted a son for Burkino. Said, Aaron, I'm so excited about the potential of the Fire Bible making its way to Burkina Faso. Burkina is an amazing country that is struggling mildly right now. The child soldiers... The school raids, the forced jihad recruitments are what tug on my heartstrings. That being said, Burkina is a gorgeous country that is well worth the investment. Although as I'm reading currently, the State Department website says do not travel to Burkina due to terrorism, crime, and kidnapping. She put a smiley face there. Consequently, her and her husband were going there in February and invited me to go. I was like, yeah, thanks, I appreciate that. In the last six years, Burkina has gone from a religiously tolerant, safe, and relatively politically stable country to one that's been rocked by three coups and encroachment of al-Qaeda and ISIS on nearly every province. The terrorist insurgency has displaced 2 million men, women, and children. Just this past week, the BBC reported 50 women, girls, and babies were kidnapped by jihadists while collecting leaves and wild berries. The only safe havens that remain within Burkina are the capital and two other cities. Throughout the rest of the country, ethnic and religious violence, kidnapping, banditry, general unrest are rampant in a country that ranks fourth poorest in the UN index. The current situation leaves this country in a severe situation with food shortages, jihadists blocking roads by which humanitarian and food supplies are normally travel. Despite this dire situation, Burkina remains a country worth investing in. The church is a beacon of light in the darkness, and the people there are resilient and yearn for and a return to more peaceful times. When I read that, we got to do something. There's a window of opportunity. So this is one of those opportunities. So what's the answer? It's what we've been talking about. It's Jesus. That's it. Everything else, it's the gospel. It's the only thing. It's what Paul talks about. It's the only thing that makes a difference. And so today, what I'm asking you to do is to prayerfully consider giving financially. Now, I'm going to let you know, we are planning on, the, the, the goal for this is that we're going to hopefully raise all of this money this year between us and these other partner churches. It's about $550,000 this year. And then the translation is already in process, which you got a snippet up here. This is what this is. And the goal is, hopefully, I'm pushing Jeff really hard, that next year we'll be able to go and, and be there for the Fire Bible presentation. I'm going to go prayerfully, willfully. We can only be on the ground one night. 
And it's one of those, you got to get in, you got to get out. You, you've got to, it's, it's that, that dire. And, and that would be providing that the wind of opportunities there. If not, we get the Bibles in and we go from there. But I want to be there. You may want to go with me. That's great. But I want to be there when I stand in front of a pastor. Because here's what happens. I've done this before. You give that Bible, you're in a receiving line. And you give that Bible to a pastor and to a couple and you pray over them. And you realize you're handing it into the hands of a man and a woman who may give their life for the very book that you're giving to them. We don't encounter that in the U.S. That's the opportunity today. So in order to publish this with all the costs and everything that Jeff talked about, it's $50. So today I'm asking you, we need, we need to raise money for 10,000 Bibles. You go, that's a lot of money? Yes. <laughs> Zeros are free. It's, it's, it's 10,000 it's, it's 10, Bibles, and so it's $50,000. That takes care of the translating, the printing, the shipping. And we're partnering with these other churches in order to accomplish this. This is not something we're doing on our own, but something that we're going to do together through partnership. And so today you may say, hey, man, I, I can do one Bible. Great, that's 50. Maybe it's a case of Bibles. A case of Bibles is 10 Bibles. That's 500. So you're now with Ellie, our first grader. Amen. <laughs> She's quiet. She should be doing this instead of me. Or a pallet of Bibles, which is 250 Bibles. That's 12,500. You want to pay for a pallet of Bibles? You want 250 pastors to receive this? It's $12,500. You want to do two pallets? It's $25,000. I'm going to pray in just a minute, and the campus pastors are going to come, and, and they're going to receive the offering. But I just want to challenge you to do something today. What you do is between you and God. Don't do anything yet. What you do is between you and God. Tammy and I are doing something above and beyond what we do for greater. This is a window. I'm telling you, I saw it with Cuba. I, I've seen it. I saw it when we did the North Korean fire Bible. I, I saw it with different, there were windows of opportunity. This is how the Holy Spirit works. There are moments where God opens a door and allows you to be able to present the gospel and then that moment closes. And how that works in the eschaton of time, we'll understand better by and by, but here and now we know in part and we understand in part. This is an opportunity to take God's word, put it to the hands of 10,000 pastors and church leaders in order to drive back the darkness to push back the darkness and to make a difference. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you today, first of all, for your word. Secondly, Lord, I thank you that it is good news. And how beautiful are the feet of those who preach and proclaim this good news to people who are lost and in need of you. So I pray today for the church in Burkina, and I pray today that you would bless those wonderful people and I pray, Lord, as we as the church here in the U.S. stand with our brothers and sisters who are facing unreal uncertainty and extremists and everything that it's costing them. I pray, Lord, we stand together and we pray, Lord, for strength in that church. We pray, Lord, together for, for protection for those people. We pray, God, together that you would drive back the darkness. And God, we want to be a part of that. And we can't go, and our physical presence probably wouldn't change anything. It may, a matter of fact, in this moment, make matters worse. But we can send. We can send. And so today, Lord, that's what we do. I pray, Heavenly Father, speak to hearts and lives about what they're to do. And I pray you bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen.